GMGM, everyone, bonjour, guten morgen, dobro utro, labrit. That is basically the way how we do it in the Web3 space here in Europe. I'm happy to have everyone on a weekly episode of Origins XYZ, the Web3 show about the origins of the biggest OGs in the space with, you know, this European touch. We're live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Paris time, and as always, I'm your host, Niki Tsikaluk. The space is recorded for everyone who joins us later, so you'll have a chance to re-listen to our amazing conversation. Nevertheless, make sure that you share the space with your friends and families, because we are live, and today with me, I have a very special guest who I actually wanted to meet for a while, but based on different circumstances we couldn't make. But finally, Amber, you are here, GMGM to you once again. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to, to vibe. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing show. I know that Claire is going to join us later on, but she won't be speaking today because she's having calls. So actually with uh, Claire Maguire, I had a wonderful time last week. And since she's staying in Paris for a while right now, we're planning to meet just each other next week. But today, it's all about you. Today, it's all about your vision for fashion, art, lifestyle in web3 and it's all about play pop go that we're going to discuss with you today as i already mentioned it has been a while in making i knew that this space is going to happen about two months ago but since you were busy traveling all around the world it took us some time to finalize it and i was extremely close to make it to your event in paris which happens this june but unfortunately, couldn't make it once again. But here we are. We're here. And I want to start with giving some context to people who you are, who Amber Park is, and who Amber Park was before joining all this Web3 hype, all this Web3 space. Can you tell us a bit more about where you're getting this passion for fashion, art, entertainment, and just living a beautiful life and making it beautiful for other people? Um, no, definitely. I mean, I, I think for me, it's always crazy. because I, I've been reading a lot about this topic lately, about how I think as adults, we subconsciously project or kind of do things without realizing how many things are so um, grounded in what our interests were as kids. Um, and kind of when we talk about our inner child or our younger selves. And I think for me, like, super early on, I've always gravitated towards creative outlets, whether it was, like, listening to music or drawing on the walls at my parents' house or even just collecting, you know, sneakers and vinyl records. And, you know, I've always loved fashion and specifically more like lifestyle and streetwear culture. Like I was such a big fan of like Nego and Babe and that whole kind of BBC era with like Lil Wayne and Pharrell and Kanye. Um, and because to me, it was such a great intersection of like fashion, lifestyle and music. And as a young kid growing up, there was this certain kind of electric aspiration and lifestyle and culture that went around this kind of 
at that time in this weird way, it was very immersive storytelling, like how they dressed to the music they were making. Um, and even like the really decked out colorful diamond chains to, you know, the shoes, like all of it kind of encompassed this kind of world building component in this culture. And I think for me, that's always been something as a kid, I've always gravitated towards and loved so much, you know, was how can you create these kind of worlds? And at least for me, like, I always ended up entering my imagination as a form of escapism and fantasy and, um, and dreaming. Um, and so it was really crazy. Like for me, when I started my career as like a visual artist and art director in the music industry spaces, it was purely by chance and by accident. Um, because just obviously where I grew up and where I came from, like I had never seen anyone work at any type of creative industries art was always seen as like a hobby um and you know how I kind of started my career was just literally posting on Instagram on social media and it and it took its own form into me being able to like design album artworks and design merchandise and eventually learn how to design live shows and create content and do these huge branding campaigns for music artists and so it does feel like this very like kind of serendipitous full circle moment of you know, I started my career off of Instagram and it, it fully transformed into this beautiful journey that I would have never expected to now starting a new chapter of my life with kind of blockchain technology in this in this nuanced way, kind of this evolution of like social media culture. The new chapter of your career and journey in general is definitely very fascinating but what is even more fascinating is the fact that already from the beginning you knew that you want you, you don't just want this to be your hobby your interest you want to make a living from it you want to make it special because i believe whenever you have this idea in your mind from the very beginning that whatever you are do whatever you're doing right now this is a small piece for your future this is a small piece for what you'll have later on you almost always succeed and this is definitely a case for you and since you just started sharing your background uh how you were raised uh how this creative mindset and creative approach was always a part of your life why don't you share with us a bit more about uh Perhaps even your neighborhood, like the place where you were raised, these creative ideas, are they coming from your family? Do you have something that much creative in your family or it was coming more from your peers and from the group of people who were surrounding you? How, how did you end up in implementing everything that you have in your mind into reality through this creativity lens? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I will say it's, it's actually really crazy to think about it. It's like, where I come from, I grew up in this kind of small town called La Crescenta, which is about like 30, 45 minutes um, outside of like, I guess, like the center of LA, like downtown West Hollywood area. Um, and it's pretty like residential suburbia, like blue collared immigrants, like, you know, I, I also grew up around, um, you know, predominantly non-Asian people. Um, there was a lot of, like, Armenians, white Americans, and then there was, like, few Korean families. And, um, you know, growing up as a kid, my mom really valued education and 
obviously in a very traditional conservative way, education was always seen as kind of an outlet or that kind of, you know, life-changing component of being able to live the American dream. And so I went to a private school kind of 30, 40 minutes away from where I lived um, in Pasadena, and it was a predominantly white school. Um, My class was like 98 kids. It was a very small school. Um, And then on weekends, on Sunday, we would go an additional 30, 40 minutes from where we lived in the opposite direction to go to Korean church. Um, And so most of my childhood adolescent years it was always this really awkward thing of okay I don't really fit in at school um because when I went to school like it's crazy now when I think about it and I, and I might talk about this later but it's like when I went to school like eating Korean food k-pop watching anime talking about Hello Kitty was not socially accepted nor pop culturally relevant or cool um, it, it was very much things that I was felt very much an outsider and was outcasted and to some degrees bullied and also it, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to ask you just this random question, but it yeah. wasn't that much about the school itself. It was more about the cultural environment, right? So if you would go to another school in the same area, most probably the outcome would be the same. So what you're trying to say here is that back then it was more about this cultural environment that didn't uh, accept your way of thinking your like everything that you mentioned like watching anime like uh, reading comics i don't know everything that makes your creativity expand it wasn't accepted by the cultural environment you were in am i right um yeah definitely i, I will say like on uh, in terms of like schooling and i guess where i spend most of my time in school like it was still pretty much a very conservative white American area. And then uh, when I went to Korean church, obviously was raised in a very conservative Korean immigrant household. Um, and so it, in those ways, in those two different very facets of my life, I think like expression or even, you know, exploration of identity or even things that were you know, our quote unquote more like American liberalism weren't very accepted. And so it was definitely a very strict and conservative and very traditional um, culture and upbringing that I was surrounded with. So with that being said, like I wasn't really ever encouraged nor ever really exposed to anything super creative. Like even growing up as a kid, like I never really even saw that many queer people. I never really saw any that many people of color, like, it it was very much like very um categorized and kind of you know what i was exposed to was obviously you know when they say like nurture versus nature like i was very much a lot of the times influenced by my surroundings but i think because as a kid i was very shy and very introverted and um you know i did have a very hard time adjusting in both kind of facets it it was this very, like, I think, magical thing now that I think about as an adult is, like, as a kid, I was an avid reader. I loved drawing. I loved just making things. And I think it came from this place of, as a kid, I felt like I didn't really belong anywhere. So I wanted to kind of create my own worlds that I could play in and find myself and feel a sense of comfort and freedom that I necessarily didn't have in kind of reality 
And with that, like reading books, like I was always one of those kids. I loved reading fiction. And anytime I would read a book, like my mind would wander and kind of daydream. And I would like transport myself into those kind of books or even when I watched cartoons. And for me as a kid, and I think adults, like I do, did not realize how much as a kid, like cartoons became the sense of escapism and the sense of comfort and joy. And it brought so much kind of empathy and, you know, healing into my life. And I think now as an adult, when I think about this next chapter of my life, it's really kind of all those elements that brought me the sense of belonging and a feeling of love as a child through creativity and storytelling. I think now as an adult, I realize how important that is. Um, and in this, you know, wondrous way is like become a huge motivating factor of just like the intentionality and purpose of my work and what I really want to do as a creative is to be able to provide that kind of sense of magic and love um, to anyone that I interact with or anyone that looks at my art or anyone that's part of the story, whether that's, you know, through my own personal endeavors with Play Hop Go or even the music artists or brands that I work with on a more kind of linear art direction type of way. Absolutely love the way how you replied to this question of how you were raised and what was important to you back then. But just before we go to Play Pop Go and how Web3 space unleashes your creativity, you have mentioned term freedom a couple of times. And uh, from the first 20 minutes of our conversation, it should be... It should be clear for people that freedom is something that plays a huge role in your life and that's something why you choose to do what you do. So can you define freedom for you right now? Not back then for a small girl uh, in this culturally illiterate environment, but right now as you are this creative mind, as you are as the founder of a successful brand, as you have your own personal brand what does freedom means to you and how do you express freedom through your art and through the work through the contribution that you do in traditional world and battery world um yeah no i think freedom to me now um especially now that i'm in a headspace that i feel um, I feel very grounded in who I am as a person and I feel very confident and I feel like as any adult I think you kind of go through that chapter of your life where you're really trying to figure out like you know who you are what do you want to do in this lifetime and the kind of person you want to become and to me I think when I look about freedom I've gotten so confident in being unapologetically myself and feeling super comfortable in not fitting into any boxes. And I think when I think about freedom in this kind of phase of my life that I'm in right now, it's, I think, continuing to do that and continuing to make my own rules and express myself. And I think even in creative industries, like there's this element where there's moments where obviously you are creating art for yourself, but I do think sometimes you get lost in that element of, oh, I want to create art for other people to enjoy it or to accept it and all these things and so I think for me right now this element of freedom really has been this chapter of doing things from a place of love versus doing things for love um, 
And so, you know, for me, it's being able to just like freely express my ideas and try things and take risks and take these leaps of faith and try new things and to experiment and kind of do things in my own terms. And I think even specifically in Web3, like the space moves so fast. And I think oftentimes you get stuck in this echo chamber of like, well, these people are dropping all these things and these people are doing that. And I realized like, you know, I think a part of freedom is being confident in doing things on your own terms at your own time, at your own pace and kind of living by your own rules. And I think at least when I look about how I'm trying to do that in my work, I think for us, it's really how can we story tell that kind of ethos in the terms of the colors and themes and all these things. And I think so much of specifically play pop go is like, for me is showing people that like through really cute things, you can make the world your playground. And, you know, for me, it's really encouraging the sense of playtime. Um, and so for me, I really try to evoke that with a lot of nostalgia and these elements that are really reminiscent of like things that, you know, remind me of my childhood, but in this very more angsty kind of colorful and psychedelic way. Wow. This is, such a wonderful reply to what freedom means to you because I'm a strong believer from what I heard about you from what I hear right now is that you are extremely culturally rich in terms of all the elements that were in your childhood you managed to store them somewhere inside your head you manage to recall them right now throughout your work, throughout your activities, and you manage to remain yourself, as you said, being true to yourself, enjoying what you do, enjoying how you do on your own terms. I do believe this is basically the fundamentals for a successful project, for a successful life. So... I want to first of all congratulate you because you are definitely living your best life. And that is the most important thing. This is the most important thing. And I'm really happy for you. Just before we dive deeper into what you do with Play Pop Go, I want to get some context on how did you first find out about Web3 space? Right now, Web3 space is feels like a wild west, but at the same time, absolutely everyone is welcome here. Not only about people, but about ideas. Your crazy ideas that start being implemented more and more through different brands, uh, on different panels, on different chats, they actually shape the way how the Web3 will look in look like in years from now so i want to know what was your first interaction with that three space and what your what was your emotion were you afraid or did you already back then realize that this is a huge opportunity for you to take it to a whole new level and try something new um yeah no definitely i think it, it's crazy because the first time I ever heard about Web3 um, or anything crypto related was obviously like a long time ago when like Bitcoin and Dogecoin was like, it was almost like really embedded in at least like Gen Z meme culture. Like people are like, what are these things that like people are talking about and all this stuff? And, you know, I think the element of how I was introduced to it, I, I thought it was a bit silly. And then fast forward during COVID, 
um, I started getting reached out to a bunch about NFTs um, just because me as a visual artist, I do a bunch of 3D art and illustration. So I was getting contacted by a lot of companies and brands about, hey, can we hire you as an artist to make these NFTs? And in LA at the time, the only people that I knew that owned NFTs were, you know, board eight holders and at least, you know, which are not, not, not bad people to know right now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Y- yes. And also, obviously, everyone has their own community and everyone has their own interests. But at least personally for me, I really didn't identify with that type of community. So I was like, I don't know about this NFT thing. This seems a little weird. Um, and and then over the course of time, you know, especially in the music industry, and I think this also goes and translates into the fashion industry, um, creatives, we're very marginalized. Like, especially now when you see spe- specifically in LA with writer strikes happening, it's, you know, creative talent, as even though we are kind of curators and we are creators, uh, creatives oftentimes we're not protected, we're most of the times exploited. And when it comes to rates and even protection of our IP and all the stuff, we're very, very marginalized. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a very disheartening situation. And so during the time of COVID, when my friend was explaining to me how NFTs were like ways that as a creative, you could own the own IP of your stocks and distribute it to other people. That was something that kind of lit a light bulb in my head and got me very fascinated and interested with it and for me once I kind of nerd out about something I go very deep into the rabbit hole and do tons of research and like will watch like hours and hours of YouTube videos and like literally bury myself and just try to learn as much as possible Um, and through that I became so fascinated with this idea of how you can take these very like in the form of NFT specifically, how you can take like JPEGs or animated GIFs or all these things and create these kind of user transactions to build communities. And I thought that was something very, very fascinating and kind of went really parallel with this culture of like online shopping and even how we communicate with each other on social media. Um, so through that, I, I launched my first kind of NFT project. And even that was a huge trial and error and a really hard and beautiful learning lesson and and personally for me I do really believe that everything happens for a reason there's always a lesson to be learned no matter the success nor the adversity um, and through that kind of journey being a co-founder on a project that was very NFT PFP driven I kind of saw firsthand the experiences of highs and lows what the industry was and what I do think unfortunately the industry is oversaturated by and also this kind of really like reckless financialization model and very narrow-minded attitude when it comes to looking at art purely as stock transitions rather than enabling immersive activations. Um, And so through that, it really tested me, especially going through a bull market and bear market and just seeing also the kind of energy that was around my project at the time, which was mainly the audience of just blue chip traders who just all they were incentivized was just like, flipping and trading for monetization reasons and they did not care about storytelling whatsoever um and so through that process it really made me kind of take a step back and be like what is this technology what is this technology for and what is web3 as a whole because to me i'm like i actually personally believe that nfts were the worst 
entry point for Web3. I, I wish that Web3 was introduced in a very different way rather than NFT PFPs to mainstream culture. Um, and- I don't think so. I don't think so that it was around NFTs. Like the must adoption definitely happened with the coming of NFTs. Nevertheless, I do believe it's more about games like Fortnite, Counter-Strike, where you were able to get your skin and get just slightly closer to the concept of metaverse even the sims game you remember it was dated back in like almost 20 years ago or something i do believe this was this very small entry point for the whole web3 space even though not many people consider so but i do believe that web3 space started with the metaverse concept working from home playing the game and chatting with people at the same time in the same game but I get the point what you're saying, that NFTs, in the way how they are done right now, and I do believe you agree that around 95, maybe even more percent of all of those NFTs right now, they're scams. Just because people launch new projects every single day without real-life utility, without actual value, just for the purpose of making money. And I do believe that all these media headlines, most probably that's what you were referring to, they make the whole Web3 space look very bad. And somewhere in reality, that is true. Right now, it's very bad. It's, there is no efficient business model. There is no actual need for traditional brands to join us because it's mostly about rug pulls. It's mostly about scams. It's mostly about stealing projects and showing up. So how cool you are owning this JPEG for like, uh, 100,000 or whatsoever. So I totally got your point, what you're trying to say here. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do I do think about a lot of gaming platforms in, in this weird way. I, I do think there's elements of it that are, quote-unquote, very metaverse, but I, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's also really fascinating how you define that as, like, an entry point because then I guess, for me, it, it makes me start thinking about even like old school games that I grew up playing with in, in that weird way. But I do, I don't know. I, the way I define web three in my own terms is like, I do think web three is the evolution of the internet. And that's how I describe it to a bunch of my friends who are not crypto native. And I do think the one distinction behind web three or even like a web two thing is now there's a whole type of digital transaction and currency that is now attached to it. And there's more of this, user-owned, driven kind of experience behind it rather than us as consumers that are consistently just like participating and playing um, and we don't really own the things that we're experiencing. And I even think about it's so interesting when you think about corporations who enter Web3. I was actually having this conversation with someone yesterday, but it's like really Web3, the beautiful thing about it is it's supposed to be this new age industry where, you know, it's kind of an equal playing field in the sense of anyone can tell a story and anyone instantaneously can build access and share information and share data. And it's this really incredible space to be a free thinker and to build without rules. But then when you see corporations who enter the space, they continue to look at it as a very top down model of like, okay, how can I sell more products to my customers and exploit them more? And everything is very like financially driven. Obviously, like, I am an idealist and I, I do understand that there needs to be some type of financial model behind some things. But I do think we're such in this time with Web3, it's still so early that I think 
more of the focus should be on education and accessibility and mass adoption versus, okay, how can we make tons of money in this space? I think the money will always come, but I think for now it's like, how do you build a proper foundation where especially young people or people who normally don't have opportunities to tell stories or to promote things or to even share ideas or have access to things can now have this access to knowledge and technology um, and to, you know, really innovate and change the kind of narrative of like, you know, what the future is going to look like rather than trying to use this technology to make it more rigid and socially move backwards than, you know, where we're physically in reality are now. Very wise words. Edward Zipko, the founder of Super Cheap Gallery, who is also a very close friend of mine, started his journey in digital art, Web3 art, crypto art, back in 2012. No one back then was using the term NFT, but everyone knew what was street graffiti. Everyone were all already aware of the concept of digital art, dig digitalization. And he is perhaps one of the most culturally rich people I know in this Web3 space. Just for you to give... Uh, a reference point, one of his favorite anime is uh, Berserk, Japanese uh, manga back then anime, which is dated back to 1997. And he is trying to implement all this cyberpunk, all this anime manga vision into his art, into the way how he communicates with people. So I'm extremely interested to learn what are some of the anime or maybe even manga that influenced your way of thinking the most? What What are you a fan of? Um, I mean, I am the biggest fan and advocate for Sanrio and Hello Kitty specifically. Um, I mean, I think that... Looking at your picture, looking at your PFP right now, I have this Hello Kitty vibe. I'll be <laughs> frank with you, I love it. Yeah, I as a kid, I've always said whenever people ask me who my heroes were, or what I wanted to be when I grew up, I always was I was always like I want to be Hello Kitty, and now as an adult, that really has not changed. Um, I think it's more like I want to create my own Hello Kitty. But for me, what I love about Sanrio so much is obviously the art and the everything they do is absolutely so cute. But um, I think the intention of the story of what Sanrio as a brand has created was um, when you talk to they did this interview with some of the founders like a long time ago about what does Hello Kitty mean? And they talked about these three principles of how Hello Kitty and friends is supposed to teach kids. And there's a really intentional way why the face and the art was done a certain way was if you look at Hello Kitty, she doesn't have a mouth. There's really no expressions, but that was intentionally done because the ethos is Hello Kitty's like big lesson that you're supposed to learn is how to treat people with kindness, not through words and expression, but by through actions, as well as, you know, teaching people how to play with each other and how to do nice things for each other. And to me, that's such a beautiful element to something that not only just looks super cute and super fun, and, you know, they've created this whole culture around it with the toys the merchandising hello kitty land the shows and all the stuff 
but at the foundation of it, there's such this deeper messaging that they really hope to teach. And even if you go on their social media, I think they do such a great job of not only like advertising their products, but there's all these kind of beautiful things of like positive social messaging and manifestations and creating this really kind of ethos that you see in so much of the brand and the toys and all the stuff. Um, and I also love how like, it really brings people together from all different backgrounds in life from, you know, old people to young people, everyone loves it in the same way, like Mickey Mouse and Disney does. Um, and so for me, specifically, when it comes to like kawaii culture and like anime and mangas, like Sanrio is definitely like my number one. And then on a more artistic cinematic level, like I love anything Studio Ghibli. Amazing. I actually am a huge anime geek myself. Just for you to give some reference, I'm a huge fan of Naruto. Perhaps mm -hmm. uh, one of the best things that ever happened in anime world. I'm a huge fan like from relevant stuff. I'm a huge fan of uh, Attack on Titans. Chainsaw Man. I don't know if you have seen it, but yes, it's such yeah. a legendary thing. I couldn't wait for the next season, so I just went for manga. And actually, there is uh, a new arc about a completely different Chainsaw Man, uh, who is a girl. Uh, so I'd suggest you to check it out as well. It's very cool, because it gives me some context. It gives the audience the context of who influenced you the most, and who gave you this empowerment, this inspiration to be who you are right now. And I feel that after positioning your background and talking about you entering the Web3 space, this is the very perfect way for us to introduce Play Pop Go, because everything that you just mentioned on the show about cultural relevance, about shows, cartoons, people who are influencing you, and about your vision for creative freedom, it's basically... The way how you implement it is basically the way how you position yourself through your brand. So can you please introduce to the audience Play Pop Go and explain why exactly right now, exactly through Web3 technology on blockchain, uh, it happened? Why is it relevant for people to know about Play Pop Go? Um, yeah, um, so... Um, Play Pop Go is basically, um, it's like my first solo creative endeavor. It's an IP driven project that basically at the forefront of our brand, um, stars kind of original characters. And we basically are really focused on how can we take a unique gamified approach to brand storytelling, um, as like a Gen Z female founder, you know, my ultimate dream is to build my own Disneyland, um, and to build my own amusement park, not just virtually, but physically in the real world. And to, you know, make a huge franchise movie and to do all these things and share with millions and millions of people. And I think when you think of it in a very traditional way, who knows how many years, how many millions and billions of dollars that would take and maybe not even be able to achieve in my lifetime. And I think that's where the beauty of like the power of internet culture and social media is you can now gamify storytelling and share brand messaging and share art in this very instantaneous way and make it very digestible for especially like a Gen Z demographic where the attention span is already so small. Like I sometimes have a really hard time, unfortunately, 
watching a two hour movie without checking my phone or without being distracted or without thinking about something else. And, and even like when I'm on Instagram, sometimes I learn so much and I am a firm believer that our physical realities are so integrated digitally with how we stream content, how we shop, how we consume culture, how we find out news about things, how we communicate with our friends. And I do think when I was looking at how do I launch a project in 2023, it was take, I want to be able to take advantage of kind of the mediums of applications that are accessible to me and also finding ways of how can you build a brand and storytelling ethos that's purely based on social interaction and freedom of expression and also encourage the space of inclusivity and diversity. Um, and for me, like I'm such a huge believer in blockchain and I think what the potential of what blockchain is able to allow, especially when you look at digital identity and kind of expression with, you know, social user engagement. And so with that, we really started kind of unfolding, okay, Play Pop Go in a traditional sense is an IP-driven project first. We have the art, the storytelling, the lore. Um, and then when you strip it back in terms of on a product and technology and innovation level, what we're really focused right now in this first phase is how do we create a brand ethos that allows people to express themselves freely as well as engage and build their own playable ecosystems and build kind of this quote unquote virtual amusement park experience in the comfort of their own homes. And so with me, I really started thinking about, okay, there's the physical side of it, the fashion, you know, I to me, fashion is just so important because it's a medium in which you are allowed to express your individuality as well as express who you are as a person or how you're feeling. There's obviously the toys, the kind of gamified experiences like online chatting and gaming. And then in parallel to that, I think there's this really amazing now technology with blockchain is now you can build digital experiences around it and also now start connecting the dots of how all these products tie together. And also, I just think because we spend so much time online, us as humans, we now want to be able to personify ourselves in the form of, you know, digital identity, avatars, playable kind of profile pictures. And so these are taking things that we are already used to, whether it's those who are crypto native and know what a PFP is, or for those who've never heard of an NFT, we've been, we've, as a culture, have already been so used to gaming culture and creating our own characters online, setting up our own usernames and doing all these things, even setting up social media accounts. And so now there's a way to personify ourselves through kind of these digital avatars and kind of have this digital twin of who we are um, and be able to now play in this digital realm integrated with physical reality. Um, so for us with Play Pop Go, Obviously, we are kind of this multi-hyphenate kind of universe. Um, but right now, in this first phase of building, we're really focused on how can we build digital expression that really storytells kind of as a mission and brand value-wise what we're trying to, you know, accomplish, you know, in this next chapter. Build something that will allow you to personalize yourself through this gamified solution. This is a perfect way to describe the Web3 ethos, to describe the idea of digital identity and self-expression through the Web3 lens. And obviously, you are a tech geek in terms of innovating and trying new things. And I know that uh, Play Pop Go is innovating in its own way. I know that you have your 
NFT collection. I know that you have your own community. I know that you are building this journey both in digital realm and physically by having in real life interactions and uh, events. So why don't we talk with you about the importance of technological advancement and usage which Web3 offers to you what do you want to achieve with your brand? What is the end result here? Do you want to have a bigger community where people are free to express themselves through different uh, realms, whether it's digital variables, as you were referring to fashion, uh, NFTs or digital art, referring to art, and just being themselves, just having, as you said, organizing this Disneyland in real life, in the metaverse, what is this midterm goal for you in the next couple of years? When we see the next couple of million people joining the space, how do you want them to associate? What do you want them to associate Play Pop Go with? Um, I think for me, really, what when when we think about the next few years with Play Pop Go, especially what we're trying to do digitally and bridge kind of this connection to physical reality it's you know i think about apple so much as a business and a brand and i think something that was so revolutionary what they did was they built what basically became the apple ecosystem when you buy the iphone you feel like you have to buy the macbook then when you buy the macbook you're like okay i want to get the apple tv the ipad the apple watch all these things are interconnected to icloud and my apple id I can literally connect any device and have the same data and these transactions that I've been purchasing and they all integrate together and build this kind of, you know, more or less playable experience that I'm building on my own terms. And I think about Disneyland, how families and people save tons of money to go travel across the world to go spend that one day of being in the happiest place on earth. But the reality is, there are so many millions of people and kids who live in third world countries, countries of war, or are in poverty, or just will, or even middle America who will never have the opportunity to travel. And I think about all these things because I'm like, how can you bring that same energy and same ethos of joy and feeling a sense of wonder and magic and fantasy and a feeling a sense of love and celebration that you feel when you go to a place like Disneyland? How can you bring that in the comfort of someone's own fingertips and have them feel like they have that customization ability to build their own experience? And so for me, I do think when we think about Play Pop Go in the next two to three years, it's how do I how do we like hybrid that where we can allow a user to shop or collect items at on their own terms and kind of customize their own user experience to then build out the co- their own experience of a virtual amusement park in their comfort of their own homes. Because for example, like if you and I go to Disneyland, even though we physically are going to the same location, we're going to have very different experiences because we have very different interpretations of why we want to be at Disneyland. We have different interests. We might go on different rides in different orders, eat different foods, buy different things. Just the feeling of being there may mean so differently to both of us. And I think that's such an incredible thing with creativity and storytelling. And even when you think about cartoon IPs is 
there's obviously the linear things of the visual art and the storytelling and things like that. But there's this element of interpretation and imagination that the consumer is allowed to dream and build their own interpretations of those realities. And I think about it when you think about like product culture and even consumerism with like streetwear culture, art culture and all those things. Obviously, you want to collect these tangible objects because you may like it or you may like how it makes you feel or there's this aspirational component to it. And I do think all of these things tie back into this kind of innate human desire to be creative and to use your imagination for social interaction. And I think for us, it's like, okay, how do we now gamify that and make more customizable experiences that connect digital identity with the experience that we want users to dream about and to aspire to have and ultimately, for us, like, for me, why all of this is important is that feeling of wonder and comfort and sense of love that I felt as a kid when I kind of imagined myself to escape into the storybook world. I want to be able to make that so instantaneous and accessible um, in this mass audience type of way to potentially kids and adults who may never be able to travel or go you know, be able to purchase, you know, really expensive pop culture art or to travel to Disneyland, but them to not feel like they're missing out and they can still participate in this kind of narrative and ultimately showcasing to people on a more kind of idealistic brand ethos that, you know, being yourself is the greatest superpower and that you as a user are driving your own experience and can create your own stories. I absolutely love the way how you summarized the end goal for you and for your brand. And I do believe that with the Web3 world, with the blockchain technology, this is exactly what you can and you will achieve. The only question is the question of time when it comes. But with builders like you, with believers like you who are actually delivering, I do believe we'll be there. We're going to make it. I also know that for your community and for your brand, the idea of human interaction, in real life interaction, physical touch is very important. And here I'm mainly referring to your latest event that you organized during Paris Fashion Week, A Summer for Love, which I, as I already explained before, didn't have a chance to attend even though I was invited. I heard that it was one of the biggest, one of the best Web3-centric, Web3 project-led events during the Paris uh, Fashion Week. And I want to hear from you, what is your idea behind in-real-life events? Do you want to organize those as... Uh, yearly or quarterly activations for your community to connect with you and your team in person, exchange some feedback and grow together? Or is it just another way for you to be yourself, to party, to have fun with the people who are joining the vision and the mission that you have at Play Pop Go? Um. I think of it um, in kind of multiple layered facets. It's like, for me, I think so much of what we do is online, even how we meet people, how we interact with people, even how we socially engage with people, so online. And I even think with technology and innovation moving so fast, 
that sometimes I think as humans, we lose of our actual physical, tangible emotions and connections. And, you know, I think specifically, even when I think about Gen Z, we're a generation that is, has become innately disassociative. We disassociate even when we're having conversations with our friends, like we may be with our friends at lunch and we're still busy on our phones. We may be on our phones reading something very dark and depressing that's happening in the world. And then five seconds later, we're looking at a meme and then back into a movie trailer. And then we, we actually are a generation that heavily disassociates. And even when we talk about buzzwords like mental health and all these things, I do still think there's this thing subconsciously in this generation right now that has a really hard time with actually sitting with themselves sitting alone and experiencing how they feel and so for me there's that element of it when I think about IRL activations and IRL events it's this very traditional medium of how can we bring people together and bring a community that isn't necessarily motivated by oh this is something that we're purchasing or this do But for me, IRL is a great place to just allow people to be themselves and to meet new people and to actually bring like-minded people together and to celebrate and to have fun and feel that sense of compassion and love that maybe that they feel online with their digital friends. Um, And the second part of that is, I think when we look at the next year for Play Pop Go, we have IRL events that are happening every couple months and they're all so different um our next IRL event is actually an educational workshop and not really a party the next one is an immersive art experience and then the next one after that is a combination of a party immersive art experience digital activation and workshop and for me there's a very intentional reason you know why we structure each IRL activation it's it's really to be able to storytell and to be able to bring people together and show that kind of physical touch and physical sense that goes behind a lot of the digital and kind of more fantastical elements that are more imaginative and interpretive um and then on the third of it you know for me I just also am one of those people and if you know me super well like I I love having fun and I love making other people smile and experience joy. And I think sometimes, you know, life is so dark. Even sometimes the news we read online is so dark and, you know, life is so short. And I think, you know, being able to bring people together and for them to experience joy together and to learn together and to talk together and to build and help grow and expand each other's perspectives, whether it's through a very intentional activity or it's through just the simple act of parting and celebrating life. In the case of our Paris Fashion Week, it was to not only like celebrate and kind of introduce what we're doing as a brand, but for me, it was as a very non-traditional brand that's entering a very traditional week in the calendar years, how can we showcase the storytelling and the brand ethos, as well as really showcase to a very non-Web3 familiar audience kind of the fun and playable factor of the technology that we're integrating into our ecosystem. Um, so, yeah. This is amazing because this is exactly what you want to hear from a lifetime, uh, lifestyle, art, fashion, entertainment brand from someone who wants to bring this traditional culture, this web to culture, everything that mattered to us five, 10, 20 years ago to the new, completely unknown Web3 space. And what you're doing is basically allowing people to 
take this huge step back, back to their childhood, and have this fun right now. Not just as a memory, but actual as an in real life interaction, as a digital experience, as this community sharing and community building moment, which I absolutely love and I absolutely respect what you do for this space. Talking about fashion, because I know this is another big part of your life and your identity, the upcoming fashion weeks in Paris, Milan, London, New York, and many others are coming in slightly more than a month from now. Are you planning to have any of your activations during these fashion weeks? Are you planning to be actively involved in some other events? In other words, where can people see Amber and your team during the upcoming fashion weeks in September? Um, so I will say this. We, I personally love the element of surprise and doing the unexpected, whether that's doing things in a very traditional format or non-traditional. Um, I will say we obviously are looking at um, do participating in September Paris Fashion Week during Women's Wear Week. Um, and we are actually discussing a really fun activation with a couple partners around that. Um, but we also are really excited about this educational workshop series that we're, we're kicking off um, in Toronto, which we will be announcing more details to come. And then, you know, for us, you know, I love being able to travel and pop up in different places. And, you know, on our end, we do have a lot of announcements coming at the end of the summer that we're really excited about. Um, but I will say, like, later this fall and winter will be a fun time in kind of the Play Pop Go ecosystem, not only digitally, but IRL. I love it. I do believe the audience who will be listening to this space will also take down some notes about your upcoming plans. And uh, I'm extremely following based to the fact, due to the fact that I missed your last event this June. I want repetition of this event. I want to be there in real life. So if you are saying that something similar might happen in Paris or might not, I'll be there for it. Definitely. I'm definitely coming with my fashion fam so extremely excited about this amber i do believe that you managed to share the whole story the whole background behind play pop go and your vision for web3 space within this hour and i really enjoyed listening to the deepness of your answers to understand what is the way of thinking what is the vision behind whatever you do in this space? One thing for sure, you are here for the long term. You are here to innovate this space. And don't just innovate, but actually make it fun. Actually make it exciting for people to feel themselves, regardless of their age, regardless of their background, to feel themselves kids, once again, to feel themselves right in terms of creative freedom in terms of being themselves in terms of being a part of something bigger that you're building in web3 space and for all of it i want to say that i have nothing but respect and support to whatever you do next it was really fun to connect with you online and i hope that soon enough i'll have a chance to connect with you 
in person because I already know a few people who are supporting you, a few people who are working with you and the energy that they are sharing with the outside world is just amazing. And I really want to connect with you as soon as possible. And I'm extremely excited to see what comes next for Ember Park and Play Pop Go. But for today, I really thank you for being on the space and sharing your story because it's really fascinating. It's really inspiring. It's really amazing that you yourself are enjoying this journey and building it on your own terms. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so nice to connect digitally and, um, and hope that we can meet each other in person soon. Absolutely. Are you actually traveling around Europe right now where you're based in London for a while? In other, in other words, when can I see you in Paris? Uh, I I mean, I think the next time I'll be in Paris is maybe during Fashion Week in September, but who knows? I I literally have been living my life each day as it comes, so who knows where the adventure may take me next. I absolutely love it. Keep me posted in case you are coming here, because I know that Claire is staying here most probably till September, maybe a bit even uh longer so if you're planning to see us here in paris let me know would love to take you for coffee one day other than that i want to thank you once again for joining us today it was an energetic and very inspiring conversation i want to thank absolutely everyone who joined us here today with me and amber park origins xyz will be back next week 3 p.m paris time as always for another fashion icon, Claire from Digital Fashion Week, to actually discuss what you can expect from some of the most appealing fashion capitals coming this September. Other than that, thank you very much for joining. I really love all of you and see you in the metaverse.